we light our Christ candle to recognize that the, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Let us rejoice and be glad in the day that God has made as we come together to worship him. Let us join together in a responsive psalm, Psalm 8. God, our God, how glorious is your name in all the earth. From the lips of infants and children, your praises reach up to the heavens. You have set up a stronghold against your foes to dwell in the enemy and the avenger. O God, our God, how glorious is your name in all the earth. When I look to the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have set in their places. What are the immortals that you should be mindful of us, mere human beings that you should care for us? Oh God, God, how glorious is your name in all the earth. You have made us little less than divine and crowned us with glory and honor. All sheep and cattle, all creatures of the wild. The birds of the air, fish in the sea, and all that make their way through the waters. O God, our God, how glorious is your name in all the earth. Let us pray. Holy God, we gather today to seek you more. The struggles of this past week, the stories in the news, they and more wear us down. We come today to be strengthened and renewed by your spirit. Be with us, Lord, as we worship you this day. Amen. Our opening hymn is Christ has made the sure foundation.
Good morning. Today's reading is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Jesus appears to his disciples. The 11 disciples went to the hill in Galilee where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, even though some of them doubted. Jesus drew near and said to them, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Go then to all peoples everywhere and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I will be with you always to the end of the age. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we gather today in your presence to worship together, 
to learn together, to pray together, and to meditate on your word together. So, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. As we discussed last week, our faith is built upon a strong foundation, that being a faith in Jesus Christ. Over the centuries, Christians have written creeds as to express their faith in Jesus and also in God. While there have been many different ways and many different expressions of our faith, the most simple creed ever written about the Christian faith is this, and it's four simple words. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. This is where we begin. As the only Son of God, Jesus Christ is Lord of this earth. And as such, for people who follow him, Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives, which also means he is the Lord of the church. The church being the place where Christians gather to share in our faith together. This foundation built on Jesus Christ is critical for the church. When Jesus was talking about foundations in Matthew 16, he said, upon this rock, upon this foundation, I will build my church. Now we all know that a strong foundation is, is crucial for the longevity of a building. And our faith is also dependent upon a strong foundation built on Jesus Christ. If our foundation is weak or shaky or flawed, then cracks and other problems begin to appear. And we do not want that to happen with our building or with our own lives, our own faith. But the foundation is just one aspect of the church. We can claim that the church is built with Jesus Christ as our foundation, but there are also important elements that help build up our churches and make them strong. And I'm not talking about the physical building, although that is one aspect. I'm talking about the church as a group of Christians, a group of people who are gathered no matter where they are physically. For the purpose of what we're looking at over these three weeks, we're calling them the pillars of the church. Last week we looked at our first pillar, which was prayer, and how we pray to discern God's plan for our lives and for our churches. Prayer is an inward practice that we use to communicate with God, and through that it influences our outward practices in terms of how we act as people of God. It is prayer that helps influence our second pillar that we're looking at today, which is discipleship. In our reading from Matthew 28 today, we heard the final instructions Jesus gives his, gives his disciples before he returns to God. This is after his death, after his resurrection. This is after the disciples followed him around for three years. This is the final moment they have with the resurrected Jesus before he physically returns to the Father in heaven. And what does Jesus tell them? He says, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus, as the Son of God, has authority over everything. 
Over the last three years of his life, he demonstrated this authority. He showed it in his teaching. He showed it in healing people. He showed it by calming storms. He showed it by raising people from the dead. He showed it by controlling evil spirits. Jesus has shown in his life, time and time again, that he has authority over all things. And this authority comes from God, the creator of all things. And so Jesus continues in his final instructions. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them, teach them. In other words, just keep doing what they've been seeing him do for the last couple of years. Now, Facebook is a source for many things. Some of it good, a lot of it bad. But I saw something shared repeatedly over this past week, a couple weeks really. And it is a saying from someone by the name of Michael Carl. And Michael Carl says, as church attendance numbers fade across the nation and online services become very convenient, it is important to remember why church attendance for you and your family matters so much. You can't serve from your sofa. You can't have community of faith on your sofa. You can't experience the full power of a room full of believers worshiping together on your sofa. Christians aren't consumers. We are contributors. We don't watch. We engage. We give. We sacrifice. We encourage. We pray by laying hands on the hurting. We do life together. The church needs you, and you need the church. Now, I don't know who Michael Carl is. A Google search is kind of useless when you're searching for Michael Carl because there's a lot of Michaels and a lot of Carls in the world. I don't know where he said it. I don't know when he said it. I can't even verify that he actually said it. Many people have shared this post, and many of these people are all part of the church. And they are people who have seen the church in its decline. They are people who go to church on Sunday morning and see fewer people in the pews around them than a year or two ago or 20 years ago or 40 years ago. Now, there's an element of truth to this passage. Yes, fewer people are going to church. Online church has seen some growth over the last couple of years as people choose to stay at home for a number of reasons. But there are also problems with that quote. It blames people who, are, who spend time sitting on their sofas for the woes of the church today. It claims that, they're not, that they are being passive, that they're not engaging in the life of the church. It makes assumptions that they're being lazy for not coming to church. Now this may or not be the case, and I'm pretty sure it's not how Michael Carl would have intended it to be read. But it may or may not be the case that this is why people stay home. It could be the busy family that just can't get out on Sunday mornings because of family commitments or work or sports or they're just plain tired after an incredibly busy week. But these people may be active in the community in another way. 
It could be the person who has health issues and just can't get out of the house anymore. But this person spends time phoning people or spends significant time in prayer. There are more ways to connect and contribute to the church than just by showing up. And some of the people who watch online or stay at home may actually have a deeper faith than some of the people who show up. I think of our beloved Joan in her final years. She physically could not get to church, but she read her Bible every day. She prayed every day. She spent a lot of time on the phone talking to people, connecting with people. She contributed to the life of Carmen United Church greatly, even after she was no longer physically able to get out of her home to come. She was still very much part of the life of Carmen. I don't think anyone would argue that. And she was part of our family right up until her passing. So to think that physical church attendance is the most important part of being a Christian is to miss the point. Yes, it is right that we engage, we give, we pray, we encourage, we sacrifice, we do life together. And these are important. But when you think about it, we can actually do any of these things without ever entering a building. In fact, you could argue that these are the things we need to be doing when we leave the building. And in some ways, when you read that post by Michael Carl, it sounds like a guilt trip. It sounds like we're saying the church is falling apart because it's your fault that you're not coming to church. But is it? Is that why the modern church is failing? Well, yes, in a way it is, because people are not coming to church. They're not contributing to the church. But why is it that they're not coming? Why don't they come? I believe part of the reason is because we've not been engaging in the pillars of the church. We haven't been praying. We haven't been seeking God through prayer. But we've also not been doing discipleship, which is what Jesus told the disciples to do in his final instructions with them, his final words. So we can take from Jesus that discipleship is important because it is the last thing, the last instruction he gave his disciples before he left them. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, did Jesus say, sit back and wait till they come? No, he said, go. Go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, go and make disciples of your church friends or make disciples of the people who are just like you. He said, go make disciples of all nations. All nations, meaning all nationalities, all income levels, all backgrounds, all lifestyles, all languages, all, all, all. This is not a passive statement. It uses active words, go, make. It's not like wait and suggest, it is go, make disciples. So when we take our first pillar, the prayer and when we truly engage in prayer, when we converse with God on a daily basis, we begin to understand just what it is God wants from us as individuals and as a church. This understanding is critical for the work of our second pillar, discipleship. Discipleship is one of the results of our prayers being put in action. If we want people to join us in church, then we need to offer them something better than their comfortable sofa. 
We need to realize the call of Jesus is to recognize the gifts he gives us and to respond to the instructions to share these things with others. That's part of what it means to make disciples. It's not a program. It's not being a great theologian or even a great preacher. It's, about, it's, it's not that complicated. It's going and making disciples by sharing the gifts of God with others. It means sharing our story. It means not being afraid to say why it is we do what we do. It means not hiding the fact that Jesus Christ is the foundation of our faith and of our lives. Now, discipleship can sound like a bit of a scary word. So let's break it down a little bit. What does discipleship mean? Well, discipleship simply means following a leader and learning from them. Now, Jesus had 12 main guys, main followers. He had a lot of other followers, but there's kind of 12 that he called his disciples. And these, these disciples spent three years following Jesus around, learning from him. He was their teacher. They were his students. And Jesus even told them at one point that they will go on to do greater things than he because he will have returned to his father. And this is true. After Jesus returned to God, the disciples did do amazing things. Just read through the the book of Acts and some of the letters, and you see the wonderful things they did. And one of the first things they did was they grew the church by thousands of people in one day. And how did they do it? They did it by going out into the streets and sharing the stories of Jesus and how he impacted their lives. That's one of the aspects of making disciples. Just going out and teaching and sharing with others. Now yesterday, the United Church of Canada, our general council, number 44, met for an online meeting. They do that every October. And there are a number of, of, of reports that they receive from various parts of the church to, to receive and put into minutes and discuss even some of them. Now, in the general secretary's report, who is Michael Blair, Michael gives us some numbers from the national statistics of the church over the last two years. The statistics show that in 2022, we closed, as the United Church of Canada, we closed 70 churches across the nation. In 2021, we closed 63 churches. In 2022, the membership of the United Church of Canada fell by four and a quarter percent. Doesn't sound like much, but you think nationally, that's 13,000 people. The weekly attendance for all churches put together dropped by 5.5%, which is about 6,500 people across the nation. Now, there have been people who have been taking these numbers and plotting them out on graphs for a number of years. And then when you look at these graphs, and the, 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 the trend does not look good. However, the numbers of the national church do not indicate our future as a local church. The numbers of the denomination do not tell us who we are as Carmen United Church. Because we are the church God calls us to be. 
not the church that the United Church wants us to be. And so how do we become the church that God calls us to be? We do this by trusting in our strong foundation as Jesus Christ as Lord of our church and of our lives and also Lord of this world. And we recognize that through the authority given to Jesus by God, we can do these things. We become the church God wants us to be in prayer, in dedicated and committed conversation with God. We become the church God calls us to be by exercising discipleship, by hearing the words of Jesus when he says, go and make disciples of all nations, and following through by simply sharing our stories our stories of Jesus and how he has impacted our lives so that others can hear our stories and learn of him as well. We become the church God calls us to be by trusting and obeying him and knowing he has laid our foundation. And he, upon that foundation, is building the pillars of our faith that hold us strong. This is the hope of the church. This is the church that draws people in from their sofas and makes a difference in the world as we look forward to the third pillar that we, that we will look at together next week as we celebrate our 117th anniversary in this place. So let us be the church God calls us to be. Let us go forward into the future he has for us as his children, following the way of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior the foundation, the bedrock of who we are in this church and in this world. Amen. Let us sing, come, o, let us sing together, Come, O Fount of Every Blessing.
Just uh, draw attention to a few announcements today. So on Friday, we're having our apple crisp sale from two to four. And I have some instructions. All right. So on uh, Thursday evening, there's going to be some people coming in to make the crumble, and I think they know who they are. On Saturday mor uh, Friday morning, if you're here going to come and help peel apples and put things together, you should be here for 10 a.m. on Friday morning with hairnets and knives or peelers or whatever it is, because we're going to be peeling 360 pounds of apples. So the more, the merrier. <laughs> and so that'll be 10 a.m. on Friday. If you have any unsold tickets, would you let Grace Jones know? Uh, she is out of any tickets, so if there's any spares, uh, just let Grace know and we'll make sure they get sold. And I think that's it. Yep. That's it for the Apple Crisp. Next Sunday is our 117th anniversary service. And St. John's United from Big Verdor will be joining us. And there will be a light luncheon following the service. So we look forward to a celebration next week of 117 years. Also, I got the list of things and items that the schools are looking for for students and families. And those are on, there's, there's a bit of a few of these at the back if you want the list. Or you can go to our website and you can get the list from there. And I'll put it out in the newsletter later today as well. So if you don't get our newsletter, you can go to our website and sign up for there as well, for the newsletters. And I think that's all I have that I'll draw attention to today. Any other announcements to share? Yeah, trustees meet tonight at 7 o'clock. We know that. As we continue to seek God and worship and in prayer, as we seek to seek God's wisdom, as we do the work of the church, the work of the church is supported by many things. It's most supported by our hearts as we give freely of our time and our talents to the work of God, to God's work here in this church and in our community. Our offering will now be received.
Let us pray. Lord, you have blessed us abundantly with your love. In our appreciation of the gifts you give, we respond by offering all we have in the name of our risen Savior. Amen. Please be seated. Let us join our hearts together in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the gifts of life. We thank you give the, for the gifts of being together as your church in this world. We thank you for the faces that are around us and the faces we remember as we look around. We thank you for the building of community and the sharing of gifts and the sharing of life as we seek to be followers of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. Lord, we continue to offer our prayers for the many problems and concerns of this world. We continue to pray for the Ukraine and the continual punishment that they have been receiving over the last couple of years. We pray for Russia and a change of hearts for them, that they may seek peace and restoration and healing. Lord, we pray this day for Israel and Palestine and Gaza. Lord, it is such a complicated place. And we pray for cooler heads to rise and peace to come. Lord, the terrorism that happens in this world is, is terrible. It is killing lives. And we pray for peace to come. We pray for the people of Gaza, for Israelites and Palestinians together, that they may be safe. And that war may cease in this world. Not just for Ukraine or Gaza, but war in so many other places on this planet that we just don't often hear about. Lord, we pray for all people living in pain this day. Lord, we pray for those who are suffering from health issues. We pray for those who are hungry. We pray for today for those who are cold. Lord, we pray for your comfort to come to all who need it this morning, whatever it may be. And Lord, we pray for our church. We pray, O oh God, that as we prepare our celebrations for next week, that you will continue to do good work through us. That on the foundation of Jesus Christ that you laid for us, 
we will build strong prayer. We will build courage to be disciples and to help make disciples. Lord, there is much need in this world. There's so much pain, so much suffering, so much hunger. And so, Lord, we pray for your church, for ourselves and for our neighboring churches, that we would see how we can respond to the needs of our community. We pray, O oh God, that you fill our lives with hope and in the lives of everyone around us with hope. Hope that only you can give for a better life, a better way of living in this world. And now, O oh God, we lift up to you the prayers of our hearts this day, whether aloud or in the silence of our hearts. Lord, for those we have named this day, we lift them up to you for your healing, for your comfort, for your peace. And may they feel your presence ever near. Through your spirit, we pray. Lord, we lift all of our prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior, as we offer the prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our closing hymn today is Go to the World.
to the world, go as the ones I send. For I am with you till the age shall end, when all the hosts of glory call. Amen. Let us go into the world to be God's hope, to be God's people in a world in need of God, desperately in their lives. Let us go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen.